here at America Fest with James Lindsay, and I, I feel like you're a man that needs no introduction. <laughs> I keep hearing that. It's uh, you're you're all over the place. I um, am. Funny enough, I actually followed you on Instagram, and I would constantly tell my husband, "Oh my gosh, this is amazing! This is amazing! What this guy is saying is like spot on." Uh, so I know we're we're probably extremely aligned in um, our concern for what's happening in this country right now. Concern for the fact that um, I don't know. I just kind of had this this feeling this morning as I was talking to Curtis Hill, who's our who's our newest board member. Right. That it's almost like uh, the pandemic might have actually been a good thing for the country, and I know that sounds outrageous, but I think what it did was it started to peel back the layers of how we as Americans have basically abdicated our freedom and our responsibilities to the government. For many many decades now, yeah, and this is the culmination. No, of, it's of, true. If you bought a property, this is a yeah. gross metaphor, but if you bought a property and it's got you know got some woods in the back and you're cleaning yeah. it up, and there's a tarp back there, and you pull it back and you yeah. find dead bodies. Yeah, it, you think that's bad news, but you really do want to know that they're there. Right. You, right. It's it find, exposing corruption or rot or whatever we, whatever the metaphor works out exposing yeah. it is the first step in the right direction it's the right. horrible moment the moment yeah. you're diagnosed with cancer is also the moment you start doing something about it right and so this i think has i, I think the combination especially of of the, the pandemic mm-hmm. and everything that they brought with it and then they decided that the pandemic gets selectively suspended for george floyd yeah and then right. all of a sudden we're peeling back layers right right so so Let's step back for just a second because I feel like we could just dive into this. Yeah. Uh, tell me what got you into, like you personally, how did you get into this movement? What motivated you to I mean, bring you here today? It's actually a long and complicated story, so I don't <laughs> want to take up too much time with a personal story. Okay. But it is, people do find it relatable. I'll try to give a, a succinct version. Yeah. And well, it starts with people being wrong on the internet yeah. back in, say, 2012, 13. So I told you it's a long story. Yeah. This culminates. By the time we get to 2015, everybody that I know is getting called a sexist for no reason. People right. tell me sexism systemic. I'm like, what the heck is this? Well, you're I, a toxic male, so well, let's just yes, get that I, out no, of the no, way. And right. I can't leave this alone, hegemonic masculinity. Right. So I'm looking this up. I'm re- Where did these words come from? Okay, gender studies, right. feminist studies. Yeah. I'm reading their literature. I'm like, uh, I understand kind of what it's talking about, but that's yeah. something different. And I started right. asking people, why don't we do it? And they said, no, no, no. This is the correct definition for sexism. And I was like, right. uh, this is wild. What's happening? And so the academic literature starts going off the rails much more visibly than it had before. Mm-hmm. A friend of mine and I decided that after the publish, after the National Science Foundation dumped almost half a million dollars into a research group that ends up publishing a paper saying that the science of glaciology needs to become feminist in order to stop climate change, I was like, Well, I mean, that I'm makes done. sense. Feminism and climate change have to be linked, right? Of course. <laughs> and so this... I just did a podcast recently on my on my own new discourses podcast that I do, where I, the title is "What What Radicalized You, James?" and it's that paper. I read this and I went into a dis, like despair for days, and then I was like, I have to do something about this. So I call my friend. We get talking about it. We decide we're going to hoax the academic literature. And yeah. We we write a fake academic paper right. called "The Conceptual Penis as a Social Construct." We say that penises shouldn't be thought of, you know, as anatomical organs, but as social constructions right. that cause all of our problems, especially climate change, and this gets accepted by a terrible low-level journal, probably no predatory. Wow. So we spike the football anyway. Controversy ensues, and we end up starting to do this thing called the Grievance Studies Affair now, where we wrote 20 more papers in a year, mm-hmm. got them in real journals, unambiguous feminist right. studies journals, feminist philosophy journals, feminist social work journals, no question. And we get, 
it, one of these papers was the thing that got me here today. Okay. We write this paper about education. We say to overcome privilege, we basically have to abuse students, chain them to the floor, this kind of stuff. But we're going to do it with compassion because we're trying to be funny. And the peer reviewers are like, we love the idea, but you can't use compassion. That threatens, in their words, to recenter the needs of the privileged. And wow. when I read that, I said, there's a genocide lurking in this logic. I asked my wow. wife to quit my job to expose it full time. Yeah. She asked me if I could make money doing it. And I said, I don't know. And she right. gave me an 18-month runway. We got the plane off the ground right at the right at the wire. Yeah. We did cross V1, and I was like, I don't know if it's going to go. There's yeah. your aviation joke for the moment. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we got it up. Wow. I don't, I mean, how do you even respond to the nonsensical garbage that's happening right now in this country? Like what you just said, think about that. <laughs> you wrote a paper advocating for um, taking children and chaining them to the floors and, and essentially physically pulling out all of their privilege, but doing it with compassion, and they removed the word compassion. Yeah. It's become so transparent to me. I mean, there's so much we can talk about. Do you want to talk about masculinity? Should we talk about the education system? Should we talk about so many things? You know, because the, it's the in COVID everything. vaccine. And this, and, and the fact that we can sit here, and it would probably take us five minutes just to list everything that's that's facing the right. culture in this country right now, is in and of itself a red flag, right? By that, that we should all be paying attention to. That's right. Um, and and I, but I. I firmly believe, much like I've had many conversations with our mutual friend, Tiffany Justice, who yeah. runs Mom for Liberty, and Moms for Liberty is an unbelievable organization, I think, doing incredible work. I agree. Necessary work. Uh, they're also one of our strategic partners. You know, I think that the education system is is such an important aspect of this fight. It is. And it has so many intersection points. It's almost where, if you look at all of the, of, of the fights that are happening, they all intersect in the education system. That's right. Well, I mean, that's how they got all the professionals to be wackadoodles in the first place. Right. Or many of them. Right. What you have to do is you have to, if we use actual unconventional warfare terminology, mm -hmm. you have to do what they used to call back in the day when there was battlefields. They called it operational preparation of the battlefield, right. OPB. Mm -hmm. Now they call it operational preparation of the environment. Mm -hmm. And so they start preparing the environment. How do you do that? By softening it up, by getting right. moles or conspirators that's their word, by the right. way, from South Carolina, how they describe how they get it into schools. Right. They said we get teachers and administrators as co-conspirators. That was their right. word. Mm -hmm. A consultant for one of these programs right. said that that's how they get it in. Right. So you get people in these places that will help accept it and advocate for it, even if they know it's wrong, yeah. to get it in. And then you, you let it spread and spread and spread. But to get the people in the first place, you can build them in the education system. Right. You right. capture the colleges of education. Mm -hmm. You capture the teachers. If you capture the teachers, you capture the kids, and right. you capture the future. Yeah. It's a simple model. And, and and they have. They've done that very successfully. You want to be a doctor, I mean, you go to medical school. You want to be right. a lawyer, you go to law school. How do you change doctors and lawyers? Yell at them or train the next generation of doctors and right. lawyers? Right. And just wait 20 years. That's right. And so education, it all comes back to everything. The other side of that is, well, you guys, all this weird top-down stuff. We saw all the top-down policies with COVID. Mm -hmm. We saw all the top-down WHO, whether it's, mm -hmm. you know, this UN, the CDC, the, you, every multiple acronym agency you can think of in the world, again, yeah. same thing, yeah. pushing the top-down, the public-private right. partnership, you know, the corporations go mm -hmm. along with the governance. Yeah, yeah, we got it. Right. But you have the bottom-up to get the people yeah. to accept it and demand it through education. Yeah. And that's the other side of it. You can provide the demand side, mm -hmm. but you or the supply side, but you've got to create the demand side. Yeah. And education's meant to create the demand for a sustainable and inclusive future as they bring right. it. Well and I think that we've gotten to a point too where 
you have all these points, right? Whether it's gender ideology, whether it's the mas you know, a war on masculinity, the, the climate change issue, the border crisis issue. It, it, you, you, we used to have this where you'd have these singular topics, right? And like cr critical race theory was the topic in the school, right? We've got to make, you're either an oppressor or you're a victim, right? Yeah. Or then, then they, they started introducing the gender ideology, right? And now it feels very much to me like they're, all of these issues are converging and now it's just one big um, field. There's no longer kind of this spectrum. It's just one big field of issues. So, so you really, what they're doing is they're telling kids nowadays and, and adults, it doesn't matter where you fall within this, this uh, space. So if, if, if you don't believe in critical race theory, um, but also, how do you feel about climate change, or, or how do you feel about? It's like you can't, you don't, you can't even turn. You've no direction to turn in because right. they're they're coming at you from all sides. Yeah, that's right. Everywhere, always, all at once. Yeah. And which tells you that this is a intentional bid to right. make a transformation. That, on the positive, optimistic side of it, mm -hmm. they either get it or they don't. It has right. a, it's expensive. Right. It's a push. It has a time limit. If they can't yeah. pull it off. They've wasted a ton of resources. Mm -hmm. They have mm -hmm. launched an attack on the world. Yeah. They de they deemed that the the environment or the battlefield was prepared for this attack. They've launched that attack on the world. We have to make it through that and mm -hmm. let them expend their energies, expend their resources. Right. And that means we have to be clear on these issues and we have to be able to speak about right. them so that people don't get sucked into the next current thing or oh this is what we all have to do now. Right. That's how they've got us so far. Right. George Floyd died. Half the country, more than half the country, everybody does the same thing. Right. You know, COVID happens, everybody does the same thing. Right. Ukraine-Russia conflict breaks out, everybody does the same thing. Yeah. But it faster and faster and faster and faster, people are like, wait a minute, with each one, wait a minute, wait wait a minute. Yeah. And now it's to the point where something comes out and it's just within days, people are like, maybe, you know, let's slow down. Yeah. And this is, this is crucial, this is progress, yeah. but that's why, is that they are making their bid now. Yeah. They, they give you a timeline. It's mm -hmm. called Agenda 2030. They didn't make of that course, date up. Of course, it's totally up. transparent. That, right. That's not made up, by the way. That's not a conspiracy theory. There's, like, documents <laughs> right. literally everywhere about it. Right. I mean, right. you go to their website. Yeah. <laughs> it's a website. Right. So it's like people say COVID-19, or no, sorry, uh, the Great Reset's a conspiracy. It's an official start date. How right. is it a conspiracy theory? And it, it, there's an actual strategic plan. There's a roadmap. There's this an is insanely detailed one. Right. So, so, so this isn't like a Laura Sextro, James Lindsay. We're having a conversation. It's speculation. This is an actual. You can go to the no, website right. and read about it yourself. They, right, they, it's there. Although um, sometimes I vanish. think the opposition would say, for example, I think we have a tremendous amount of evidence now to show that COVID nineteen, and, and I'll just cite one fact. It's a fact that COVID nineteen does not impact the pediatric population. Right. But if you speak to anyone um, in opposition to that narrative or anyone in mainstream media, they would literally have you believe that there are children that are dropping dead in the streets of COVID yeah, today. Of course. It's, it's, it's totally skewed reality. Um, so tell me, you got into this with the intent. You said you, you talked to your wife. You said, I got to quit my job to change the world and see what's happening. Uh, how's that going for you? Pretty damn well, frankly. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's very hard. It's very tiring. Um, it's like soul tiring in a weird way mm -hmm. uh, to read soul sucking communist literature and try to yeah. tell people about it and get gaslit about it constantly. Sure. But look at what's happening. Yeah. Here's 11,000 people at a conference all talking about these issues. Yeah. Um, I hear my language out of other people's mouths, whether they cite me or not, yeah. all the time. Mm -hmm. So I have 
done something and I can right. be proud of the fact that I've done something to my goal was to show people that this was whether it's in the academic literature or more broadly what that right. connects to or holds up that this is happening there's something going on and we can understand it and we can start to mount a, mount a counter to it mm -hmm. and and maybe you know pull out of the nosedive they put us in mm -hmm. um so actually i think it's gone really well okay. i was a lone voice five years ago i gave a talk here here in arizona it was actually in tucson mm -hmm. five years ago july of 2017 right. about the social justice movement and how dangerous it was and this right. lady stood up in the middle of my talk my first public talk on the issue, one of my very first public talks ever, stands up and says, you are a fraud. Wow. <laughs> she says, social justice is an economic issue and you haven't mentioned economics once. And that was, she didn't know there was a culture war yet. Well, I was the only person or one of very five people at the time speaking up. Brett Weinstein was speaking up. There was a handful of people right. speaking up. There was almost nobody. Now, there's 11,000 people. I went out. They told me there was 8,500 people in yeah. the room yesterday when I got on stage wow. that roared with applause when I walked out on stage. Yeah. I have an army behind me now. It's going great. That's fantastic. So how do you see this? How, what do you see in the next steps? How do you see this this evolving? Um, the the regime or whatever we're supposed to call it is mm -hmm. getting nervous. Mm -hmm. They are realizing that their timeline is maybe not realistic. Mm -hmm. They realize that people see a lot more of it than they expected. Right. They are making mistakes, mm -hmm. quite a lot of them. Yeah. And so we are at a wonderful moment of opportunity to kind of shatter the kind of global propaganda narrative that's keeping people locked into their way of thinking. Mm -hmm. And so what I see is that we have a rough couple of years ahead of us. Okay. They own or control so many institutions right. that we think we depend on. Yeah. And in many ways we do depend on. Yeah. And those are going to be shaken to their cores as, as this evolves through the next couple of years. But I'm optimistic that what's going to happen is the truth will prevail, mm -hmm. the crimes will be exposed, the evidence will become undeniable to enough people, right. and we will be able to start turning this around and right. holding accountable the people who are attempting to transform the world for their own purposes. Yeah, and I think it, it, it's so critical because we really are on the cusp. If, 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 we're, if we're not able to recapture, um, you know, whether it's corporate America, whether it's our, our banking institutions, um, our medical institutions, we risk really, uh, I think, falling into the framework of what we see in communist China right now. You know, uh, Dr. Cariotti, who uh, is our chief of medical ethics, wrote a book, The New Abnormal, and it's all about the framework for this biomedical security state that That's we right. find ourselves in. That's right. And it's terrifying. China's the model. China is absolutely the model. It, it's terrifying to think if six months ago, we had vaccine passports. Yeah. And people seem to have forgotten about that. Yeah, and if they had made a big enough food crisis, which they appear not to have succeeded in doing, mm -hmm. speaking of things we don't talk about that don't seem to have come about, right? but it looked very possible sure. throughout the last half of the summer, we would have had food passports. Right, and those, and those passports ultimately would be um, locked into your social credit score. That's right. So right. they would know who you are exactly. and your, your ability to do things in society, mm -hmm. travel, buy this, buy that, whatever, right. are all going to be tied into whatever that passport says. We see that playing out in China now. People showed right. up to protest. Mm -hmm. What did they do? They switched. didn't matter if they were sick or not. They switched their, their passports to yellow or red so they couldn't get into trains. They couldn't right. go home. They couldn't mm -hmm. get into hotels. They couldn't go anywhere. They couldn't even right. go in and buy food in most places because their passport was flashing red. Right. And you end up with this 
you know, biomedical security state that mm-hmm. has unbelievable tyrannical right. power. Uh, and we have to look at that and take it seriously and say, you know, we don't want that here. This right. is serious. But it's not over. And I think that's the really critical point. Um, what I start to feel in, in the work that we're doing is people feel like, well, we've moved past that. Everything's about to go back to normal. And um, that terrifies me because that couldn't be further from the truth. What we just went through for the last three years, it was a testing ground to see whether or not, in particular, the American people would be compliant. And I think we failed that test miserably. Yeah, we did pretty badly. Yeah. Um, What we have done since is awakened a movement that I think has made them very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did not pass the test in real time, mm-hmm. but we learned our lesson very quickly. It's a very American trait, frankly. Yeah. Uh, and I think that they're nervous. Yeah. We look at Canada, we look at New Zealand, we look at Europe, and we think, mm-hmm. oh, no. But you look at America, and divided as we are, that division is over. You will not actually trick us again. Right, right. Yeah, and I think, um, I, I hope, my hope is exactly what you just said, that there's enough information coming out that people are now, they now feel uh, very much duped. And with that, I think that will galvanize them on, because there will be a round two of this. Oh, definitely. And a round three. I mean, this is not ending right now. So when that happens, I, my, my hope is that people will feel have tricked enough to say, we're not going to comply. We're not, you're going to do this to us another time. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I think that's what's, well, I think, I, I hope. And that's why mm-hmm. I barely ever take even a day off. Um, to a little <laughs> so you're bit one of, of those too? <laughs> yeah, a little bit of a personal cost to that. Yeah. And I barely ever take a day off. People ask, well, you need to rest. It's a marathon, not a sprint. And I'm like, I'll know when I can rest and it's not yet. I have uh, that same feeling. We talk about that all the time at the work that we do. And, and you know, the, the unfortunate thing is we can't stop because they're not stopping. They don't ever stop. I don't think they sleep. Right. One of the things I talk about all the time is, oh, wow, another, I'm like, I'm talking to my wife. I'm like, could it be, why do I have to read another 200-page document they just published? Oh, another 100-page right. document. Oh, another 130-page document. Right. Why is it every day? Could they take a day off from writing something I can't even read in a day? Right. And what's amazing to me, though, is just the absolute bold-faced um, lies that are coming out. I mean, I'll take you back to when the CDC just recently said that they were going to add um, to the, the general schedule of vaccines for, for COVID. They were going to add COVID-19 um, for the childhood general schedule of vaccines. I went and I reviewed the people that were actually on that, that board making those recommendations. These are people that say that they have a specialty in, in pediatric vaccines. And they feel with extreme confidence that they can make this recommendation. And of course, my question would be, how in the world can anyone say with any extreme confidence, with even a, a modicum of confidence, that these vaccines are good for anyone when we still aren't operating under informed consent, but yeah, yet right. they're, 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 they're boldly saying this. That's the thing. They, they do it in everything. They're doing it in education with a social emotional learning. Right. They tell you explicitly, oh, it's data driven. Right. Why is it data driven? Because we need to gather the data to show how it works because right. we don't actually know how it works yet. Right. They're just boldly plummeting forward saying, right. no, this is the way mm-hmm. and we'll find out that it's the way as we go. I mean, as somebody that has a background in aviation, you'll appreciate the metaphor yeah. they've actually used out loud right. themselves, which is that we have to build the plane while we fly it. <laughs> i you heard imagine? that. that- in practical application, that would never work, but 
that's exactly how it feels. All of their policies, yeah. that, that is their protocol for all of their policies. But we're also, we're talking about our children's minds with education, right. we're talking about mm -hmm. our children's health and bodies with inject right. with, with mRNA technology injections or whatever right. we're going to call it, gene right. therapies, or even if it's just a vaccine, we're talking about a lot of things that are very right. serious and that their, their, their idea is, well, we'll figure it out as we go. Right. See, I actually think that they're, they know. I do think, I, I think they know. I think they know. I think they're saying that in terms of, because here's the reality. They have nothing else that they can say. Yeah, right. How, how do you respond to saying to someone, well, we're going to ask you to inject your child with an experimental vaccine, and I say vaccine very loosely. It's an experimental gene therapy for a virus that does zero impact for the pediatric population, for a virus that we know that children are not vectors of transmission. Um, and we also know that once they're injected, they can still acquire and transmit the virus. So what else could they possibly say other than then, well, well, we'll find out as we go. Yeah, exactly. There's no logical response no. That, would, that would have, that would even be a sentient even response to no, something right. like that's that. That's right, that's right. And they can't back off anything because mm -hmm. the, the second they back off of one thing, Right. You get to ask a question about the next thing. Right. Which is why, by the way, in, in the state of California, we're still under an emergency uh, mandate, or excuse me, an emergency, state of emergency until, according to our, our governor, uh, February of 2023. I'm not sure what magically is going to happen in February of 2023. I bet you it is a new state of emergency. Exactly. I mean, I'm, I think we can see the writing on the wall. The reason that they continue to do this is because they would have to pull these vaccines off of the market because yeah, they can't operate under an EUA. And, and, I mean, this is the other thing that people, I think, need to talk a little bit about more. I know you talk about this, too. But just from the, the colloquial definition of, like, state of emergency, three years of state of emergency is just a state of life. That's right. Yeah, that's <laughs> it, it the thing. It is not a state of emergency. That is the thing. That is, that, that's exactly correct. Mm -hmm. um, I understand kind of why there's not a statute of limitations on a state of emergency. Right. Like, if a war were to break right. out or a right. horrific natural disaster. Right. But this is something that is just... Very obviously, everywhere else, everywhere, period, people right. are just living their lives. Right. And they're pretending there's an emergency. It's a, it's a pretend emergency. Right. It's, in other words, a political construction to enable the theft of sure. authority and power from the people. That's right. Yeah, that's right. 100%. And, it, and to me, it just feels so transparent. Um, well, thank you so much for being here with us today. I am, I'm honored to talk to you. I've actually been a big fan of your work <laughs> for a you. while. I've, I've been a fan of your work before I even started the Unity Project, so... Fantastic to have you here. How can people follow you? How can people support the work that you're doing? Because well, the website is the best place to go for that. Okay. That's uh, newdiscourses.com. Okay. If you want to follow me, I'm on most of the social medias at uh, Conceptual James. Yeah. I'm back on Twitter. I just got permanently banned from Facebook. You never know which ones are going to have me and not right. any given right. day these days. Um, the podcast from the New Discourses is the New Discourses podcast. So okay. those are the places that you can find me and follow me. Right. Um, I'm around on the internet. Well, I hope you don't get banned. Um, I will tell you just quick, quick note before we sign off here. Unity Project was threatened to get banned permanently on uh, Instagram because we took an excerpt off of the California.gov website for one of the bills that they, it was it was related to SB 866, which was a bill that said kids as young as 12 could make their own medical decisions right. without the knowledge or consent of their parent. Yeah. We took an excerpt directly off of the website and then we put it on Instagram they told it that, that we were going to ban for mis or disinformation oh wow amazing so yes, so you're in good company but hopefully hopefully they, they they don't ban you because you're a threat to them and you're changing what's happening in this country so keep up the good work thank, thank you for you. doing what you do thanks for being here thank you from all of us at the unity project thank you for listening to today's podcast 
We hope to continue producing content that amplifies voices, strategies, and resources. Please keep in mind that the Unity Project is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that relies on the contributions of our generous supporters to fuel the work we do in this movement. If you value our efforts, please consider making a tax-deductible contribution today by visiting our website at www.unityproject.com and clicking the donate button. We very much appreciate your continued support and confidence, without which our work wouldn't be possible.